Welcome to Hopevale's online experience. My name is Brent, and I am the student pastor here at Hopevale. We're in a series called Better, where we're talking about poise being greater than power. If you're new here, we would love to connect with you. Would you please head over to hopevale.org slash new and fill out our digital connect card so that we can connect with you digitally until we get to see you again. We've had so many things happening in our world, and one of the things that we want to make sure our families do is stay connected. So we have a family resources page at hopevale.org slash family resources. We would love for you to stop by and check out all the cool stuff on there. This is the last weekend of the month, and at Hopevale Church, we observe communion on the last weekend of the month. If you're doing that from home, we have a page that you can stop by and go ahead and have a walkthrough of communion with either Pastor Dan or Pastor Sam. You can find that on our resources page at hopevale.org relaunch. There's a communion tab for you to find that on. We are so thrilled to be part of a conversation that's helping people get further faster, and better. With that, we're going to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to jump into conversations that help us all ask the right questions and help us grow as we continue to grow toward you. And I pray that you would help our world, that you would help our culture, that you would help our nation uh, as we all try to grow closer to you. As we begin this conversation today, and as we continue this conversation through the series, Lord, I pray that we would elevate our worlds, elevate our thoughts, elevate our minds to be like yours as we move through troubling times. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
Psalm 65 in the Passion Translation, it says, O God in Zion, to you even silence is praise. You are the God who answers prayer. All of humanity comes before you with their requests. Though we are overcome by our many sins, your sacrifice covers them all. You answer our prayers with amazing wonders and with awe-inspiring displays of power. You are the righteous God who helps us like a father. Everyone everywhere looks to you, for you are the confidence of all the earth, even to the farthest islands of the sea. With jaw-dropping, astounding power is yours. You are the mountain maker who sets them all in place. You muzzle the roar of the mighty seas and the rage of the mobs with their noisy riots. Oh God, to the farthest corners of the planet, people will stand in awe, startled and stunned by your signs and wonders, sunrise beauty and sunset brilliance. Both take their turns singing their songs of joy to you. And we likewise take our turn singing a song of joy, singing to our King.
hanging on every word that you would speak to us today. It is why we have gathered. It is why we have tuned in. It is why we have logged on to hear a word from you. We are desperate to hear a word from you, Jesus. Oh God, that you would move, that you would act, that you would speak. I pray that every single location where people are watching this service, are joining in with this service, God, that it would be holy ground, that you would meet them at that place and Holy Spirit, that you would fill each and every room and each and every heart. Help us to choose what is better. Help us to choose you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. This is Pastor Dan, and I too want to thank you for logging on and joining us for worship today as we continue our series called Better. Better, four wise choices for a better life, where week by week we've been looking into Scripture to see what God says is better when it comes to the decisions we make that determine the destiny for our lives. And so compared to what we see so often around us and what we feel within us, in these first two weeks, God's better wisdom tells us that reputation, right? Our reputation is better and far more valuable than our riches, right? That how we're known by the way we live is far more important than how much we have. Reputation over riches and then service over status. It's what we saw last week, that our service is better than our status and that a truly meaningful life is found by serving others rather than impressing others. Serving others just like Jesus. And again, another example of God's upside-down wisdom that runs contrary to what everyone else around us is chasing after and obsessing over. God's better wisdom for us, his church, reputation over riches, service over status. Well, in a moment, we'll get to the better statement for today. But before we do, can we just talk about these things for a moment? That's right, masks. Masks. I mean, what is it about this simple piece of cloth with two strings tied at the end that can get so many of us riled up, right? Now, maybe a mask like this doesn't cast its spell on you, but it certainly seems to have that kind of power over a lot of other people, right? We see it on the news. We watch it unfold in the stores. We feel it in our conversations, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google these three words, okay? Mask, store, Karen. Mask, store, Karen, K-A-R-E-N. By the way, this is where I wish we were meeting in person because I know a lot of you have seen those videos with shoppers just going ballistic and totally melting down. And if you haven't seen the videos and you do check them out, let me just warn you that the language can get pretty salty. And see, that's actually what I want to talk about today. Not masks specifically, but our reactions and our emotions these days. Why does it seem that so many of us are on the edge and why does our behavior seem so abnormal compared to our usual selves? 
Well, I'm not a trained clinical psychologist, but as a pastor, I am a practical theologian, which means that I believe God has given us incredible insights through the timeless truth of his word, the Bible. Insights that speak to who we are as people and why we do what we do. And so when it comes to all that we have been going through over these last several months, like fear and worry over the virus and the economy, or anger and frustration over the lockdown and the restrictions, that as a society, I think we have never felt less in control than we do right now. We've never felt less in control than we do right now. And see, when you don't feel in control, you know what happens? It makes you want to grasp for some kind of control any way you can. Any way you can, even if it means throwing a tantrum in the middle of aisle six. By the way, I think that's also why we're seeing so much civil unrest these days, coming from both sides of the partisan political spectrum, right? And so whether it's about social justice on the left or individual freedoms on the right, the stakes are high, which, by the way, you know, these are legitimate issues that we should always keep discussing in a democracy like ours. But again, I think it's this current reality that we're in right now where everyone doesn't feel in control and it's magnified people's emotions and exaggerated their responses. That's why we're all feeling on edge these days. But you know what? I also think that there's something else that's going on even deeper and much more profound that I don't think any of us really want to face. And it's this. It's the haunting fear that maybe we never really had the kind of control we thought we had. Maybe we've never had the kind of control we thought we had. That our vulnerability and our powerlessness have been exposed. We've been exposed, and if that really is the case, which I think it is, then the question is, what are we gonna do about it? How are we gonna make it through that if we are not as in control as we thought we were, then how are we gonna live in light of that reality without totally melting down either in fear or in anger or both? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about today, and to do that, we're gonna turn to God's better wisdom from the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. God's better wisdom. Let us hear now from the word of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says this, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Better that contrary to winning every single battle in the endless amount of culture wars around us. God says that there are these two character qualities that are better than being powerful, patience and self-control. And when you put these two virtues together, patience and self-control, you understand that poise is better than power. Poise is better than power. It is more important. It is more valuable. And here's where it really takes a lot of faith to believe. It is actually more effective in the long run when it comes to the work of the kingdom of God and the spread of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Poise is better than power. Why? Because better a patient person than a warrior, better is one with self-control than one who takes a city. And I want to talk more in a moment about poise, what it is, why it matters, and how you can get it. But before I do, let's dig a little deeper into the wisdom of Proverbs and find out about these two components of patience and self-control that make up poise. So first, patience. Proverbs 14, 39, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Boy, we've seen a lot of folly on display these days, haven't we? Right, see, so often... When we're all fired up, we think we're demonstrating this great passion and genuinely righteous anger, when in fact we're usually being foolish and we're actually undermining the cause we think we're advancing. Now don't get me wrong, God doesn't want us to shut off our emotions entirely, because that's not living, but he doesn't want our emotions, like anger, like fear, to get the best of us either. 
The same is true with self-control. Back to Proverbs. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city without walls, an unprotected city that when we go into a situation, guns ablazing, without any kind of restraint, we are actually setting ourselves up for defeat and humiliation rather than victory and honor. That when we lack self-control, we are like an unprotected city and we are left vulnerable to whatever comes our way to trip us up and take us down. And so poise is this wonderful combination of patience and self-control. And for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, don't miss the fact that both patience and self-control are mentioned in the New Testament book of Galatians as fruits of the Spirit and evidence that God is at work in our lives. A great reminder, by the way, that God always empowers us for everything that he calls us to do. And so while patience and self-control may not be our normal response in incredibly stressful situations like we're experiencing these days, it is the Spirit's power in us and through us that enables us to make this better choice. Poise over power. So back to our main passage for today, then. Proverbs 16, 32, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Poise of our power. And again, what I love about this passage is that it speaks to the moment we're living in right now, right? That when we feel like our world is spinning out of control, our natural instinct is to want to power up, right? Power up with people, power up in situations. So that what? So that we can try to take back control of our lives. And in this season, you know, this dynamic is not only happening in our culture with people we disagree with, but it's also taking places in our churches. It's happening in our own homes with those we supposedly care about the most. Where in our frustration, we find ourselves getting impatient and lacking self-control with our quick-tempered reactions. That, my friends, is not better. No better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. So, if powering up isn't the solution when we realize we never had the kind of control we thought we had, then what's the alternative? How can we make God's better choice of poise over power? Well, through the lens of Scripture, I want you to think about poise this way. That poise is my confidence in God's providence. Poise is my confidence in God's providence. See, poise ultimately comes from faith. Faith in a God who is bigger and stronger and greater than anything we will ever face, including a global pandemic, including an economic collapse, including a culture in chaos, and including our own personal turmoil. So instead of powering up in anger and fear when life feels out of control, we need to be looking up to a God who is in control of all things at all times. Poise is my confidence in God's providence. Now this idea of providence is a centuries-old Christian doctrine that's firmly rooted in Scripture, but you know, it's something that doesn't get talked a lot about these days. It doesn't, even in the church. As a matter of fact, Google has this amazing tool, right, that analyzes endless books and publications, and then it charts word usage over time. And so when you plug in the word providence, when you look at from the founding of our country back in the 1700s all the way up to the present time, it's essentially this one straight downward line to practically zero today. And I think that's a shame because providence is a doctrine that makes a difference. It's a doctrine that makes a difference. Here's how I define providence. Providence is me knowing that God is always in control and he is lovingly working out his plan for my good and his glory. God is always in control and he is lovingly working out his plan for my good and his glory. God is always in control even when my world feels out of control. And not only that, he is also lovingly working out his plan 
for my good and his glory, even when nothing seems good at all. That is providence. And that is where our poise comes from, that even in the midst of intense pressure, great uncertainty, like we're facing today, it is my confidence in God's providence, that God is always in control and he is lovingly working out his plan for my good and his glory. And just so you know that I'm not making this up, this wonderful doctrine of God's providence is woven throughout the pages of Scripture from the beginning all the way back in Genesis to the end all the way toward Revelation. So in the Old Testament, for instance, you have all these amazing stories of God's providence at work in the lives of people like Joseph. Joseph, who is sold into slavery by his brothers only later to save them in the end. Or Moses, who was spared from death as an infant by an Egyptian princess only later to deliver the Israelites from those same Egyptians. Or Ruth, who as an impoverished young widow far from home, later becomes this honored woman and the eventual ancestor of the promised Messiah, Jesus himself. Or Esther, who as a young woman in exile eventually became a queen and was ultimately used by God to spare God's chosen people from a holocaust. Listen, all this real history, it's not about chance, coincidence, fate, good fortune. No, these are all accounts of God's providence at work, or as one preacher put it long ago, this is the hand of God at work in the glove of history. And so we read the pages of Scripture not just to educate our minds or even to entertain our curiosity, but we read to encourage our faith. And the same God who is just as alive today as he was back then in the lives of these men and women of faith. But you know what? Providence isn't just limited to the Old Testament. No, Jesus himself in the New Testament taught his followers like us to take heart in a caring heavenly father who is always in control. So that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, we read these words of Jesus, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your Father's care. Not chance, not coincidence, but loving, caring providence. He goes on, verse 30. And the, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Don't be afraid. You mean everything to your heavenly Father and nothing that has happened, is happening, or will happen to you is outside your Father's care. And you know what? When it comes to God's providence, Jesus didn't just talk the talk in his teaching, but he also walked the walk in his obedience all the way to the cross of Calvary. Look at how the Apostle Peter describes this decades later with a more mature perspective and greater poise himself. From 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 in the New Testament, this is what Peter says about the life of Jesus. That when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, what did he do? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to the God of providence so that when Jesus was unfairly insulted, unjustly arrested, and inhumanely treated, he didn't power up. No, instead, despite all the suffering and not being in control, Jesus responded how? With patience, with self-control. Why? Because he trusted in the providence of his loving heavenly father, even when he couldn't see how everything was going to work out in the end, which as we know now, it did. That three days later, he miraculously rose from the dead. That's God's providence at work. And poise is then, what? My confidence in God's providence. Now I realize that to some people, all this can seem like a fairy tale. 
some pie-in-the-sky belief that is totally disconnected from the reality that you've been experiencing in this extremely difficult situation, where you have lost a loved one and you weren't able to grieve properly, or you yourself have been sick, or maybe you've lost a job or had to close a business. Maybe you've been experiencing incredible stress in the home, in your relationships. Or maybe where you've been incredibly anxious about what is going on in the world with all the anger and outrage and violence, and it's very upsetting to you. And you have been wondering, where is God in all of this? And why isn't my faith making any kind of difference? Well, to be blunt, Maybe this season has exposed that you've been trusting more in a false gospel of prosperity than the true God of providence. You've been trusting more in a false gospel of prosperity than the true God of providence. The gospel of prosperity, this false and unbiblical belief that says that if you're a Christian, then everything's going to go well for you in your life. And a matter of fact, the more faith you have, the more prosperous you will become. Listen, that is just flat-out heresy. And it's only a matter of time before a faith like that will collapse completely. No, when it comes to suffering, God never promises that he will spare you from it, but he does promise that he'll see you through it. He'll see you through it. He will, and not only that, but providence says that God will take anything and everything that we go through, even the bad stuff, even the evil stuff, even the hard stuff. And you know what? He can use that and put it together for our eventual good and his greater glory. That's providence. And it's the wonderful promise we're given in Romans chapter eight that we sang about earlier in this service. When the Apostle Paul writes this to Christians both then and now, because we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose, that in all things God works for the good. I mean, this is essentially the definition of providence, right? That God is always in control and that he is lovingly working out his plan for my good and his glory. And so the more that this unshakable promise can burrow its way into our hearts, and can become a bigger part of our faith, that's when the fruits of patience, the fruit of self-control will emerge from our lives. Instead of us trying to grasp for more power in the state of constant panic, no, now more than ever before, we need to firmly root our confidence in God's providence because we know that God does work all Things for the good of those who love him, who have been called to his purpose, his mysterious yet wonderful purpose. Well, as I begin to wind down, I want to leave all of us with this one final challenge for us as a church. Why does it seem like so many Christians these days are acting like God has somehow changed since the time of Joseph? and Moses, and Ruth, and Esther, and even Jesus, that God is no longer in control, that his providence has somehow vanished, and that it's now all up to us to fix the world and make it right? Listen, if anger and fear are the defining marks of American Christianity these days, then something is definitely wrong. And even more closer to home, if anger and fear are the defining marks of Hopevale Church, then we are blowing it big time because it means we have traded in our worship for worry. So first of all, let's just have the courage to examine our lives and to see what has really been driving our lives these days. I want to encourage you to take an honest look at the dashboard of your heart. Has your anger been running hot? Has your fear been running high? Are you powering up with people, either in person or online or both? Are you striving on your own to take back some kind of control in your life, however you can? If so, then you need to change. 
You need to change, and real change begins with honest confession, with humble repentance before Jesus, because it is only Jesus and our capital L life with him where we can experience forgiveness for our past failures, strength for our future successes, and hope in knowing that we are sons and daughters of a heavenly father who is always watching over us rather than acting like orphans who are trying to figure out life all on our own. Forgiveness, strength, hope. This is what I want for you and I know that this is what Jesus wants for his church so let's look to him. And then from there, as we're relating to each other, let's make sure that we are not fueling our fear or egging on our anger any further. No, we can do better than that. No, we need to do better than that. Because what if? What if in these incredibly tumultuous times, the church of Jesus Christ was known more for its poise than its powering up? Known more for its patience than its panic. Known more for its self-control than its shouting. See, that's when the church will be at its best. And that's when the gospel will shine its brightest to a watching, worried, and wound up world. You know, so from that standpoint, it doesn't matter if we're going to have to keep on doing church differently than we're used to as if the providence of God can only work under a certain set of ideal conditions? No way. And so yes, it's okay, church, to miss what we're used to. It's okay to mourn what we've lost, but let's never lose sight of our great God. The God who is always in control, even when we are not. And the God who is lovingly working out his plan for our good and his glory, even when it doesn't feel that way. So let's be the kind of people who make the better choice. Let's be the kind of church that chooses poise over power because our confidence is in God's providence. Let's pray together. Yeah, Father, this is where the Bible comes alive for us and in us. This is where your word speaks to our present times because there are so many swift currents and strong breezes that are trying to catch us up and take us down to make us lose sight of the God that we were created to worship and the God that we've been redeemed to follow. And so may we through this worship, through this service, through this message, through your word, have our feet placed back on solid ground to realize that poise is better than power and that whether we're feeling angry or afraid means something's wrong. It means we're just trying to hold on to control we were never meant to carry in the first place. And so we transfer that anxiety to faith, faith where we look to a God who is always in control, to a God who is lovingly working out his plan for our good and his glory. God, thank you that even when we can't see how it's all gonna play out, we know that you've got us. We know that you are at work. And so may you replace our fear with great faith and may our confidence be in your providence. Oh Lord, we need you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this with an attitude of prayer. Thank you.
Lord, I need you, I need you. Every hour, I need you. What a great reminder of our dependency on our God. We'd want to thank you again for joining us here at Hopevale Online. We can't wait to see you guys again in person. If you'd like to give in the meantime, you can do that a couple of different ways. You can go online at hopevale.org give and give that way. Or you can go through our mobile app by texting Hopevale to 77977. You can also do it by just showing up to Shattuck Road at 5360 Shattuck, dropping it off, or mailing it in to us. For more information on our relaunch plans here at Hopevale, head over to hopevale.org relaunch for all of our upcoming plans so that we can get together soon. We cannot wait to see you as soon as possible.